talk about Wednesday night? Talked about the names of Jesus. Talked about who authored and wrote the Bible. Uh, we talked about how it was important that we do things together, whether you're just an infant in Christ or whether you're seasoned. Like somebody here. He smiled. He knew who I was talking about. But it it's important that we work together because as Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So it's important that that you have a better understanding of things um, that you work together. And that's why it's really good that we have some what we call Bible scholars in the room. Because they are, everybody helps. And it's not always men that are Bible scholars. People that have been learning the Bible their whole life. And we talked also about how the Bible is similar to a handbook. Does anybody want to talk about that? Elaborate? What, what do we say? What do we do with handbooks in their lives? Get your guide. Your guide. Get your guide. Uh, and when, it, when you apply the handbook to like a, an employment or a, a school situation, it's all about things that you can do and things that you can't do. And so often, the a handbook doesn't have examples, uh, but the Bible's filled with examples, so that you so you really can grasp what the rules are and you can see where people have disobeyed, and you can see what the wrath of God is and what the discipline might be. So, so that's that's how I compared it as a handbook. Yes, ma'am. One thing about, uh, I was just thinking about the handbook. In a company or in business, handbooks change. They do. As companies change, as you know, the CEOs change, whatever. They change. This one never changes. That's a really good point. Uh, now the military, some of those people in the military, it may not change so much, but but handbooks do change with new CEOs, new management styles, or or because they all of a sudden a, a manager or the CEO goes to a class and he goes, whoa, this is the way we're going. So all of a sudden they change all the rules and new new handbook for how to behave in that. That's saying that right there. Uh, so that's how. Yes, sir. Being an individual who has written over 35 <coughs> manuals and handbooks and has been read by one or two people, even though it's translated into six languages. Mm -hmm. the, the sermon that you heard a few weeks ago about starting everything with a why. Right. When you look at, at the, the, the danger points and various other things which, which we need to bring up in, in technical writing, and in operating machinery and equipment and so on and so forth. And you look at the Bible, the why is one of the first things that are stated. If you look at the words of God delivered to, to Israel from Mount Sinai, the very first statement is a why. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And then it begins. Here is here is the authority, here's who I am, and here's why you are paying attention. And the Verse Bible is a perfect example of how to write. You're right. It's, it's actually right. And, and the good thing that Veronica brought, brought up is it's not changing. No. It's, it's the same. <coughs> Unless you talk in religion, and religion changes because of why? Social because of man. Because... because they all of a sudden have a better idea. 
they, they just start going, hey, we ought to be doing this. And people go along with it for whatever reason. So we talked about that. Uh, we also talked about uh, thoughts on what the Bible means to us. Talked about, the, uh, and I'm on page four right now, just going over some of the quickly over some of the things we talked about Wednesday. Talked about the Bible by numbers. You can see there, there's a whole bunch of different things written. We didn't cover all those uh, different words uh, or titles for for God. We talked about the theme of the Bible. We talked about the 18 different names listed there for Jesus, and that brings us up to page six in the middle of the page: miracles of Christ. Bible is filled with miracles, is it not? I mean, what was the purpose of miracles? To confirm the word. To confirm. To confirm the word, confirm what they were doing. To make people believe that, you know, and did it always work? It's amazing that that we can look at the Bible today and we can and, and we can believe it and we can trust it and we trust God and everything. But then you have people that are seeing different people performing miracles and they basically don't give them the time of day. They, they keep saying, show us a sign. And they get a sign. You know, it's like, what is wrong with people? But there are those that are going to believe and there's those that are not. And if you're not going to believe, God's going to let you go off that way and you're not going to understand the word. There's also to fulfill prophecies. To fulfill prophecies on the, on the miracles, yes. Somebody go to uh, John 5, 1 through 9. It's quite a reading, but... After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem of the sheep gate a pool in Hebrew called Bethesda, <coughs> which has five porticos. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been lying there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is troubled, and while I'm going, uh, going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your pallet, and walk. And once the man was healed, and he took up his pallet and walked. Truly a miracle. Huh? Truly a miracle. It was. Do you, and do you think that convinced some other people around there on no. who, that, who that was? Probably did. There was so a, you know, and of course, probably some people wanted to get healed just to get healed. Mm -hmm. But uh, wouldn't it have been great to get to see it though? Yes. Uh, you know, and I can't imagine what people couldn't comprehend what they were seeing right in front of them. But don't you kind of see it in your head as you're reading the story? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And can't you visualize? Yes, Lisa. Well, and there's just one last statement, at least in my version, that says before verse 10, it says, now that day was the Sabbath. And I think that's an important detail, because I think some of what Jesus was doing with these miracles was, was kind of teaching a story at the same time of where have you put your importance? Like when, and I think the um, Jewish people at the time were 
we're tithing their um, herbs and all these things, and we're not seeing the bigger picture of God and what and um, what God wanted them to do. It didn't at that time. What was the Sabbath all about? What, what weren't you supposed to do in the Sabbath? Rest. You were supposed to rest. Well, all you have to do is read the next verse. In verse 10 it says, The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is, unlaw it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. So they weren't even looking at the fact that he was cured, but that he was going to carry his bed. Which you're not supposed to do. And were they not also looking at Jesus saying you were, he was working on the Sabbath? Yeah, verse 16 and 17. Yeah. So, I mean, there are, the, I guess, naysayers or, or whatever you want to call them that are always going to be looking for the negative in whatever the situation is in trying to get somebody in trouble. Uh, but that all leads up to the crucifixion at some point. Does somebody see another miracle there? Yes. Catherine. Oh, that was I just want to ask, how much does faith tie into miracles? For Jesus. <coughs> yeah, when you have Jesus doing the miracle, or one of the prophets back then doing the miracle, if God's doing it, there's... I think you have to have faith in God. Uh, but the miracle itself, God just doesn't. It's like parting of the Red Sea. Did that take faith to believe it was going to part? It might have taken faith to walk across it. But are you going to hold it if I'm the last guy in line? And when those ships. So uh, in the Gospels, whenever there's um, a miracle that's not done because of lack of faith, it's the lack of the faith of the miracle performer, not the miracle receiver. So, and if you look at a lot of miracles that are done in Acts, a lot of times the people that they're doing the miracles to don't even realize or expect that a miracle is going to happen to them. And then when it happens to them, they are you know, both surprised and elated, but they didn't have the faith to believe it was going to happen because they weren't expecting it. And yet it's an excuse for the faith healers. They say, you just didn't have enough faith. Yeah. Does God still do miracles today? Do people perform miracles today? No. no. Uh, to answer your question that you posed earlier, and also to answer a question, two things. Um, you know, what's interesting is is miracles were being performed on a regular basis when they went into the water, and they were healed anyways. But they were immune to that. They didn't. They weren't acknowledging it as a miracle because it says, uh, "For an angel of the Lord went down at a certain season into the pool and stirred up the water." Uh, whoever then first, after the stirring of the water, stepped in was made well uh, from whatever disease uh, which he was afflicted. So there, every time they went into the water and the first person went in and they were healed, that was a miracle. But they were immune to it and also it doesn't have anything, to, it was just whoever went in, they were healed. So it, it doesn't relate to their faith. But you also look at the, the one where, uh, where Jesus was walking through and the, the uh, girl just barely touched the hemorrhage. Or his garment, he said, I, I can feel the power go out of me and just based on your faith. So there's circumstances in both cases where no faith is related to the person, uh, uh, referred to the person, and then it's all because of their faith. And then to answer your question, there's two other miracles. There's the, consi the consistent miracle of the first person going in. That's a miracle that 
is just constantly happening, but no one's acknowledging it. And then the fact they stood up. You know, one thing to be healed, but to have the full strength to grab your bed and walk up, walk away. Both are other miracles in addition to being <coughs> So if you think about somebody that has been lame all their life, unable to walk, and then you think about any of us here that have experienced like a broken limb, like a broken leg, a bad knee, whatever it may be, or a hip, and when you're recovering, how long does it take before you can walk? So what does that tell you about this? I mean, it's like right now, in the in the thing is, is some people have to learn how to take steps. If you've never taken exactly. So I mean, that that tells you just how big of a deal this is. I mean, it, so that in itself was another miracle. Right. Jason said there was two. That's there's actually three. I think three. that's the yeah. So I mean, it's just amazing. Another example of faith is Lazarus. He obviously didn't have much faith. He's dead. I'm still a new Christian, but I don't know if this is going to sound silly, but wouldn't it be a miracle that God has given some of these scientists the knowledge to help find cures for people? No, it's not, it's not a miracle, it's, it's a gift that God's given us to be able to use our brains and to study and to learn things, to, to, to be really, you know, like from one person to the next you have different le levels of education and sometimes it's because you apply yourself more, but sometimes you have a natural talent. I mean, if you look at some of the young children and some of the gifted programs they're put into because they're, they're way above their age level. So they get stuck in gifted math, gifted science, gifted writing, and so they have a, they have a gift that God God gave them. Everybody has different gifts. That they, some people are good at speaking. I'm not one of them. Some people are, are, are good at song leading. I'm sure you've seen song leaders that get up there and they're trying hard and they're trying to learn and God bless them. <laughs> and then there's, there's other ones that are they're, they're gifted when they get up there. They're just so good. Scott this morning, he's a good example of that. But there's some of us that can't lead singing. But out of necessity, sometimes we do. And that's when you go, whoa. <laughs> when you when you start talking about uh, the faith required to perform miracles, best example is the 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 story. They're connected with the transfiguration. Jesus took three disciples with him to the mountain. He left the eleven, or pardon me, he left the, the, the nine down in Caesarea Philippi. When he come down off of the mountain, he's confronted by an individual who says, I brought this individual to be healed and your disciples couldn't do it. And Jesus healed them and confronted the ones who were remaining there that they had not been about the business. They had not been praying, they had not been fasting, they had not been meditating, they had not been keeping up with what he left them there to do, teaching the Word. And it was because of their lack of faith and their lack of obedience and, and determination to follow him at that time that caused them not to be able to heal the individual. So there's an example of faith. The individual came to him, had all kinds of faith. 
but the individual was not healed because those that were supposed to perform the miracle did not have the faith. And, it, and it's kind of semantic, but miracles, in my understanding of them, are kind of out of the natural um, scientific realm, like or the world realm, like and that. So that's what I consider a miracle. Now, God has pro there's God's providence. I think that is in this in this life, but the actual miracle nowadays. Um, just, it's a, a little bit of semantics, but describing it, a miracle is when something has kind of unnaturally happened, like the raising from the dead or, or the healing, like those things are out of the ordinary, as opposed to a scientist who went and has the knowledge and has done the research and has done the research. A creative power manipulating natural laws. So well, you know, I work water, etc. Good. Does that make sense? Is a, a creator can do things that mm -hmm. nobody else can. Right. And every miracle you read about, including the lame man, what is the next chapter three or four? The way Luke describes that, he did not have the bones in his ankles, and all of a sudden the creator created bones in the ankle, and the individual was able to get up and walk. And that creative power over nature. And the one who handled and manipulates nature is the one who created nature to begin with. And is the only one that can do those things. Argy. Well, you, you asked uh, before what were the purpose of miracles. Well, it was to confirm the Word. We don't need miracles today because we have the Word. We have the Word, right. Jim? I'm just going to address the scientific part of it. Um, you know, what we discover now is God's thoughts forever ago. He's the one that created us. In the, in, the, in the context of these miracles of healing, we still cannot produce bone. We can right. put a soft patch on it, but that can lead to hip fractures. We can't, can, we can't do anything with blind. We definitely can't, if somebody walks, we create spontaneous bone muscle tendons and everything else it would take to do that. So the, that person that created the laws of physics and everything that goes into it understands how that can be produced like that. No one else on earth can do that. Um, and we've still, as far as science has gone, we still have not been able to do it. The other part with miracles I think is interesting is timing and context. If Christ did it today, everyone would have it filmed on their phone and send it all over the world. And then people would treat it as like, you know, as a happening or something. But at the time period it was done, was witnessed by few, but it takes faith for you to understand and believe. If everything was filmed, then that faith aspect may be gone in some cases. So God knew the perfect time for all this to happen. Very good point. Scientists do spectacular things, but they don't like, create life. They don't do things like God did in the miracles. When uh, when Buddy comes for the meeting, hopefully in the, in, in the very near future. I think it's going to be next March. March. March next. Yeah. He's going to present a, 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 at least one, if not two, <clears throat> lessons where he, he tackles that very subject. When you look at nature, we have learned to control the laws of nature. Uh, we know we know how to control gravity. You know, don't step off a cliff. You know, we know that that we can we can overcome gravity with propulsion and put things in orbit. We know how to hang things in orbit. You know, based upon our manipulation of laws that we have learned through experimentation. Right. But those laws were created by God. Right. And you know, when you when you look at it, if you violate that law in some way, you're dead. But you can learn to control it and use it to your advantage. And that's what God has given us the mind to allow us to investigate 
and use wisely. It's like learning how to drive. What, what to do, not to do, when yes. you put on the brakes, not to put on the brakes. Rick, did you have a comment? I was going to say, <clears throat> your list here contains uh, 34 miracles. But we know that if all the miracles that Jesus performed were recorded for us to see, it would be volumes. Um, even with these list of miracles that are shown there, they're there for us to develop faith. We weren't there to witness those miracles. Those that were there that witnessed these miracles, it too was developed for them to develop a faith. Faith in that Christ is who He eventually claimed to be, and that is the Son of God, that He had come to take away the sins of the world, and that He will return. And that, that's the very core of, of faith that wanted to be developed then, wanted to be developed now. And frankly, for that faith to develop, first century Christians were given gifts. I frankly wish that I had the gift of healing. Um, because I see so many times and opportunities that I wish that I, I could do a miracle. But I appreciate the medical perspective and the perspective given from someone who's engaged in science because of, of, about what the difference between modern day, what we're able to do versus what the miracles are recorded in, in the Word. Absolutely. If you look at the next section uh, on the middle of page 7, 10 people were raised from the dead. It goes back to along the same lines. They're, they're miracles. Just what do you call nowadays? I know society as a whole uses miracles as, you know, or the, the word miracle, like, oh, it's a miracle he survived that, or it's a miracle. What do you call those type of things that you just can't understand why somebody didn't die in a car crash? Like, take my nieces, yeah. for example. They're thrown from vehicles. They should have died. They didn't. And it's, it's a miracle that they survived. There was a thing on the news this morning, a toddler falling, and it was, I have no idea where it was, at, but it was on the news, and a toddler falling out of a building, and this guy just happens to get out of a car and yeah. sees it, he runs over, yeah. and it, the toddler hits him real hard, and it knocks him flat, knocks the toddler flat, and the, the guy actually received more injuries than the toddler did. But the toddler survived. Probably would have been dead otherwise. What do you call those type of things? Do we call them miracles? Good luck. Do we call them just lots of people say miracles? But I've always thought not that person's time. I mean, I've been to lots of car accidents as a highway patrolman, and you go, wow, how did that person survive? You just you can't it can't be explained. So um, I would call that uh, providence, and the main difference between the providence and the miracle is that, as he's mentioned, miracles are undeniably supernatural, whereas providence is can be denied. Like, you can look at something that's providential and be like, oh, well, that's just lucky, right? Someone can survive a car crash, and people do survive car crashes sometimes, even when they shouldn't. Or someone can survive a fall, and sometimes people have jumped out of airplanes, and the chute didn't go off, and they survived that as well. So. I mean, there are certain things that happen to where if an unbeliever wanted to say that, that God wasn't involved with that, they could. Whereas a believer would say, no, God had a hand in that. But it can go either way because it's not undeniable. Whereas if someone is missing an arm and then their arm goes back instantaneously, you can't deny that that's a supernatural event. Or in the case of the next section there, somebody raised from the dead. Yeah. 
and it's not because they've been dead only for a few minutes and they get shocked with paddles mm -hmm. to where the body will come back and the heart starts pumping again. And that doesn't always work. But a lot of times it's an answer. It, it's an answer to prayer. Like when my daughter, we weren't expecting her to live, and the doctors didn't have much hope or anything. And to me, that's a miracle because she did live, and I know it was that God let her live because of our prayers. And that's where your faith really that's comes in. Faith. Your faith comes in, and people nowadays use the term miracle loosely. Yeah, but yeah, we do. But we know what they mean by it. Just like birth. Right. That is a miracle. That's a miracle. The miracle of birth, it, it, it is a miracle <laughs> because God made birth and, and it is supernatural kind of. You couldn't, nobody, no man can make it. <laughs> Get out there. <laughs> no man can make it. You know, I think with a lot of things we need to, number one, we need to understand our lack of knowledge or where we are on the scale. God has put things in motion back when he, the miracle was the creation and the, the laws of physics and chemistry and everything that he set into motion at creation. We are seeing the effects of it and our knowledge is increasing and we're getting a little bit more and a little bit more of a taste of it. The miracle occurred back when he created it. He created something exception, you know, it, you know Whenever a man and woman get together, things happen, and that without getting into detail, yeah. <laughs> that miracle was was done whenever he he spoke us into existence. We just now are amazed by it every time it happens. It's not a miracle; it's just dumbfounding to us how it can happen because he is so great and his his design for us is so beyond our understanding. So that's with science. That's with everything. So when we see things and call them a miracle, maybe it was whenever it was created or started, yeah. but we are just now understanding it now. So we need to make sure that we understand that. That's yeah. like going to the moon. You know, you know, we are constantly increasing because he's blessing us with knowledge and ability to be able to have science, scientific breakthroughs in, in things. But we need to be careful to understand that, you know, in First Corinthians it says that those things are gone. That miracles and signs and gifts and all that stuff, because they have a purpose. But we also need to understand that, you know, God has put things in our bodies that, you know, after we have been maybe dead for a certain amount of time, we can be revived because certain chemicals will react. He created that science back when he created us. That's where the miracle occurred. It's not a miracle today. He already he, he instituted that back then. So there's a difference, and so we just need to understand our lack of knowledge and our lack of understanding of it. We're so shocked by it that we go, it's a miracle. But we also need to understand there is the power of prayer and providence that ties in with those things, and his hand is in everything. That's excellent. Yeah, that's true. Um, we thought about it like being like way back at the beginning and like us ourselves being part of his miraculous nature. Right. That's where the miracles occurred. I was just going to say, kind of following up on what Jason said, I think as believers we understand there are no miracles today, but I think we have to be exceptionally careful in the world not to start talking about it's a miracle, it's a miracle. Yeah, it's used as a very um, 
It's a loose common term, and I think it can cause tremendous confusion because there are people out there who believe that there are miracles, and if we start talking about it's a miracle, it contradicts God's word. I feel like um, it's just, I, maybe it's, it's nitpicking, but that's one thing that's extremely sensitive to me, and I live with a non-believer, so if I start talking about it's a miracle, he's going to be like, yeah, explain that one to me. Right. I think what, what happens, and God's providence plays such a part in this, is that he, it, through the power of prayer and through his will to reveal things to us, we could cure cancer if we wanted to, but it has to be from God's will. And that's what we have to pray for. Uh, I, I would just thought when Jason was was talking uh, of scripture in the, in the 139th Psalm, the eyes beheld my un, <coughs> unformed substance in your book, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. Uh, God knows everything. He knows how long each one of us are going to live. He knew that before we were born. Uh, you know that to me is a miracle, but it's God's miracle. Yeah, I love that. I love and that. That was done a long time ago. Uh, that, yeah. That <laughs> yeah, but we use the term. The, we, I say we, but the world nowadays uses it for a different meaning, really. Yes. And, and I'm not so sure that the world's thinking of it in a biblical sense. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's the difference. It's amazing. It's amazing. Quite a coincidence. Awesome. It's a quick way out for things that people don't understand. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like when the weatherman gets it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's truly awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to go. We're going to skip the section on people that were raised from the dead because they're miracles as well. But we'll look at a few prophecies about uh, Jesus. What was the purpose of prophecies? What is a prophecy? To, to foretell something that's coming. To foretell Jesus was coming. God. By definition, it is the mouth of God. <coughs> How does God communicate with mankind? That is prophecy. He puts the it puts his words into someone else's mouth, mouth, and those are spoken. And that prophecy, you know, which is is defined in several different ways in the Scripture, but the fact that it is of no private interpretation that the prophets of old spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So in essence, prophecy, as it is used in Scripture, is the Word of God coming to an individual by way of the Spirit. Even in the New Testament, the, the apostles were guided by this Holy Spirit to remember what Christ told them and all of the truths that he could not tell when he was still on this earth. A lot of people look at prophecy, and one of the problems with mankind today is uh, people like Hal Lindsey and, and various others that try to project the future from what is written in the prophecies of the scriptures. You can't do that with a long handle spoon and a crowbar. It won't fit. But it is the word of God delivered to mankind at the time God wants man to know it. And then you have those people that are considering themselves prophets that are not true. And when the prophecy is fulfilled, what does that prove? It proves it's God. Exactly. <laughs> so, that was a five-minute warning.
So when I put this outline together, I put it together so it's like a reference for you. If you want to look up prophecies, it tells you all the different ones listed here about Jesus and the prophecies in Matthew. Uh, then there's someone's interpretation of the highlights of seven prophets listed there. And that's on page nine. And then there's the 20, 25 IMs of Jesus listed. And then that takes us to page 10 about witnesses that saw Jesus after, alive after the crucifixion. And you're going to skip over Matthew 24? And why am I skipping over Matthew 24? No, it's, huh. yeah, ignore me. Okay, I'll, we're going to ignore someone for the rest of the class. All three and a half minutes. So what is... What did the what did they do after what did Pilate tell them to do after they uh, after Jesus was crucified? Bribe. And why did they bribe? What did they want to happen? What were they trying to make sure wouldn't happen? Because Jesus had they were told Jesus they was coming back. They didn't want the body to be stolen because if the body was taken out of there unbeknownst to anybody, what was going to happen? Or what could the what could the Jews claim? At that point, they wouldn't have, it wasn't a real resurrection. Right. They could just steal the body. The cave's empty now. Now they can say, "Hey, look, he was resurrected." And so they actually bribed some soldiers, and they said, "Secure the tomb." And it was a cover-up. But afterwards, uh, it talks there at the bottom of page ten who the witnesses were to Jesus' resurrection, according to the scriptures here. It talks about Mary Magdalene, James and Paul, two disciples that were walking through Masses, uh, Stephen, 11 disciples, uh, with and then with Thomas, and then at least 500 people in Galilee. So the next page, and I'm going to cover it just quickly here, just so that you see what's in your handout, are New Testament parables. And there's two columns of them there, and there's a couple from the Old Testament listed as well. And what is a parable? Okay, and what's it supposed to do? Teach. Convey some information. It's a simple story designed to communicate a spiritual truth, or a religious principle, or a moral lesson. And who, who taught with parables? Christ, yes. The last page talks about just some interesting sayings that come from the Bible. Uh, like a drop in a bucket. Out of the lane. It probably Don knows all these by heart because he probably uses some of them, right? You're supposed to ignore them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, pride goes before the fall. There's nothing new under the sun. Eat, drink, and be merry. Apply in the ointment. Cast your bread on the waters. Woe is me, for I am undone. Salt of the earth. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Some of these are probably from ranchers, too. <laughs> Straight in the barrel. A wolf in sheep's clothing. Blind leading the blind. I mean, have you ever heard that before? That's an often used when you're at work. Good Samaritan, the power that be, all things to all men, a thorn in the flesh. And then there's a couple words there. 
words and phrases derived from proper names, such as Jezebel, or Delilah, or Jeremy, or Judas. So our next class that I'll be in here teaching, Rick will be back with you on Wednesday. <coughs> the title of the next one is called Enjoying the Bible. So I'm going to lean on you guys because that's to one's own interpretation as well. It's like interesting facts. So I'm going to be leaning on you guys. So think about that title. I will have a handout either put in here Wednesday or next Sunday and, uh, in preparation for that class. But I want to hear from you guys too. The material for next for Wednesday night and next Sunday is all piled up there over on that cabinet. So and it was there Wednesday, so if you already got it, it's nothing new over there. And thank you for all for your comments and your questions. And your questions.